Open your Bibles this morning to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 21. 2 Chronicles chapter 21. I want to read verse number 1, verse 6 and verse 20. And then we'll look at some of the other verses a bit later. Verse number 1. Now Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Jehoram his son reigned in his stead. Verse number 6, And he, that is Jehoram, walked in the way of the kings of Israel, like as did the house of Ahab. For he had the daughter of Ahab to wife, and he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Verse number 20, Thirty and two years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years, and departed without being desired. Howbeit they buried him in the city of David, but not in the sepulchres of the kings." I want to speak to you this morning about dying in disgrace. You know, in spite of their failures, I think most people, especially most fathers, want to be, want to be remembered and well spoken of whenever they're dead and gone. What we forget, evidently, is that... Uh, all of that's determined by what we do while we're here. And uh, we can't live as we please and then expect everyone to, to think well of us when we're dead and gone. If we want our children, then our manner of life has to convey a message that is honorable while we're living here on this earth. And here we see a good example of what I'm talking about in our text today. This is the story of Jehoram, and he provides a much-needed warning. Notice in the verse number 20, it says, He departed without being desired. And as we trace his story, you'll see why. He was a man that nobody wanted, a man that was uh, forgotten, Dying in disgrace. The reason for this is found in the first 11 verses which speak about his life of wickedness. Jehoram was a weak and a wicked man. Notice verse number 6. He walked in the way of the kings of Israel like as did the house of Ahab. Now he had married the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Well, you know, I don't want to judge her on the basis of who her parents were, but the fact of the matter is uh, she was an ungodly woman also. Her parents, Jezebel and Ahab, were the most wicked couple that had ever occupied that position. And so here comes Jehoram around, and he is the king now, and he patterns his life after their Example. Now, the shocking thing to me about all of this is that he was not ignorant of the sad history of Israel. 
He had witnessed the results of their wickedness. He knew about their terrible deaths. And if you've never read the story, you need to do so whenever you think about the horrible manner, especially in which Jezebel died. And, of course, even to this very day, I've never met anyone named Jezebel. Have you? Or Ahab. Yeah, this is my little boy Ahab or my little girl Jezebel. I mean, the very mention of their name sends a a repulsive message. And so here is a man who knows the history well, and he marries their daughter and begins to pattern his life after their example. So he's choosing to be just like them. Let me tell you, that's insane. To go down a road whenever you know what's waiting for you, when you know that destruction is ahead, and to go down that road anyway is absolutely crazy. You better be careful who you follow. It really grieves my heart to see so many young men and and young ladies as they idolize the entertainers and the athletes and different ones, you know, and they they see somebody, they, they admire their talent, but it goes beyond that. They begin to admire their lifestyle and want to pattern their life after them. Let me tell you, it all leads to the same place, folks. And you better consider their end. So here's a man that has all of the facts, all of the information that he needs, and he totally ignores that. Kind of like we're doing in America today. We look back and we see the destruction of all of the other empires. It's been charted out by the historian showing us these are the steps that those nations took, and this is where it led. And here we go, right down the same path. You see, it shows us that human nature never changes. It's the same in every generation. Now, we might express it in different ways, but it's exactly the same. Man is depraved, and it shows through in some manner or another. So, he chooses this lifestyle. Now, notice that we're talking about the fact that he's living a life of wickedness, and Verse 4 makes that very clear because notice he had no compassion for others. In fact, it says he slew all his brethren with the sword. Now, there were seven boys born to Jehoshaphat, and, and now Jehoram is the king, and he kills all six brothers. You, you know, I can't imagine, you know, I can picture someone maybe in a fit of rage in a barroom brawl, or someone that finds his wife, you know, with some other man. I can picture someone being in a rage and killing someone. You know, a lot of times we read stories of someone, you know, that uh, was arrested for murder, and we think to ourselves, oh, that could never, ever happen to me. Well, you better not be too sure about that. And I say that because you never know how you might conduct yourself given a certain set of circumstances. I can remember a time during my ministry that it something happened that very easily could have resulted in me killing someone. And the cops told me, whatever you do, don't go up there. Don't go up there 
and and because you're going to get in trouble. So my first thought was, well, my wife's going to be without a husband. My kid's going to be without a father. The church's going to be without a pastor. Wouldn't that look great? Local pastor arrested for blowing somebody's brains out, you know. Now, you know, I'd like to think that I was spiritually mature enough and strong enough that I could never do anything like that. But I'm, I'm trying to impress upon you, you don't really know what you might do in, in certain circumstances. You might act totally out of character. But to murder all six of your brothers... I didn't have many brothers, but I had two sisters. And uh, one of them wasn't born until I was uh, 16 years old, I guess, 15, you know, 16. And the other one, you know, I've been mad at her. I threw a spear and stuck it through her foot, but I, I never shot her. <laughs> I, I never cut her throat while she was sleeping or anything. But to murder all six of your brothers, I mean, you've got to be some kind of rotten to do something like that. And this is what he did. And it makes you wonder, why in the world would someone do something like that? How is it that a man like him in a position as the king over God's people, over Israel, how in the world could a man be so cold and hard-hearted? Well... It explains in verse number 6. He had no compassion for man because he had no concern for God. It says, He wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. That tells us that, uh, that he had no concern for others. Let me tell you, our relationships with one another is but a reflection of our relationship with God. Whenever you read on, it tells us that He caused His people, that is, His subjects, those under His authority, He caused them to commit spiritual adultery. Here is a man that is dragging an entire nation down, a man who is wicked and vile as anyone you can imagine. Now we pick up in verse 12 with a letter of warning. It comes from Elijah. And if you know anything about Elijah, you know he didn't pull any punches. Verse number 12, And there came a writing to him from Elijah the prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of David thy father, because thou hast not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat thy father, nor in the ways of Asa king of Judah, but has walked in the way of the kings of Israel and has made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to go a-whoring like to the whoredoms of the house of Ahab and also has slain thy brethren of thy father's house which were better than thyself. Behold, with a great plague will the Lord smite thy people and thy children and thy wives and all of thy goods." And thou shalt have great sickness by disease of thy bowels until thy, thy bowels fall out by reason of the sickness day by day. The letter of warning was given by Elijah. 
And it was an expression of the fact that Elijah was concerned about the situation. No doubt you've heard some preachers say that we should never get involved in politics. You know, that we ought to, you know, never mention whether, you know, the president is right or whether he's wrong. I've heard people say, you know, you ought to respect the office of president. I, I do. It's, it's not my disrespect for the office. It's their disrespect for the office that troubles me. You think about some of the things that has been done in the Oval Office, it is absolutely sickening. Elijah was concerned because sin disturbed him. And it ought to bother us. Whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, a Baptist, a Methodist, it doesn't make any difference who it is. We ought to be concerned about sin. And not only is he concerned about sin, but he's courageous enough to do something about it. Notice, he is confronting the king. In ancient times, it it could be considered a reason for a sentence of death by merely frowning in the presence of a king or entering into his presence uninvited. I mean... You were playing with fire when you did something to displease the king. Didn't bother Elijah. Here was a man that had the courage to confront the man who held the highest position in the land. And notice how explicit all of this is. It's as clear as the nose on your face. I mean, there's no way that Jehoram could possibly misunderstand this message. You see, he got the message he knew, but he wouldn't do. He could comprehend the message, but he didn't care. And that's exactly the way it is with most people today. If you took a survey, most people would answer in the affirmative, if we ought to do this and we ought to do that, is the Bible correct? And most everybody here would say, absolutely, we ought to follow the law of God, we ought to respect others, we ought to love God, and so on and so forth. We all know what we ought to do. The problem is not in knowing, the problem is in doing. And when our relationship with God isn't right, then, you know, we develop this I don't care attitude about life. I'm glad that God gave us a letter of warning, a book of warning. Just as Jehoram was warned, even so you and I have been warned over and over again throughout this book. He warns us about the danger of sin. And we need to pay attention. Now notice the loss of his wealth. And I've used that word wealth not just as an alliteration in the message, but I use it to speak about everything that was of value to him. So I'm not just talking about money. I'm not talking about, you know, precious gems and silver and gold and things of that nature. I'm talking about things that were of great value to the king. And verse number 17, notice he lost his goods. It says, And they came up into Judah and break into it and carried away all of the substance that was found in the king's house 
And you've got to imagine there's a lot of valuable things in the king's house, right? I mean, he has the very finest of everything. And the enemy comes in and takes all of it. You know, we whine and complain because we, we lose a simple item that we possess. Maybe something of, you know, great value to us. Might have been something that was handed down from our grandparents and it means a lot to us and we lose that or someone steals that and it, it, it's painful. But imagine losing everything. It's all gone. We all have things, you know, that we treasure, things that are of great value to us. Let me tell you, sin can rob you of all of those things. Those of you that know me know that I started out preaching in a rescue mission. I started out preaching to drunks, just like the drunk that I was before I was saved. And I was amazed whenever I discovered that a lot of those men had been doctors and lawyers and successful business people. I couldn't believe it. I mean, here they are. Their life is in shambles. They've lost their family. They've lost everything. They're on skid row, so to speak. And now they're down there just needing a place to sleep for the night and a good hot meal. They spend every penny they get on alcohol. That's what sin does to a person. He lost everything as a result of it. But notice, not only did he lose his goods, he lost his family. Look at the last half of verse number 17. And also, notice, and his sons also and his wives. Can you imagine losing your children And it being as a result of sin in your life. Now think that through. You know, it's one thing for God to bring judgment upon me because, uh, let me tell you, I don't deserve anything. And if God just knocked me over dead right now, He would have a lot of good reasons for doing so. I wouldn't have any right whatsoever to complain and say that's not fair. I expected to live another ten years or well, I expected to do this or that. Got to have every right. We think about losing one of our children. But think about losing all of your children and then think about losing them because of your sin. Because it's your fault. You say, you really think God would do something like that? Well, he took David's baby, am I right? He said, the child shall not live. David, I'll forgive you. But there's going to be some consequences to your sin. And the child's not going to live. Sin can be a costly thing, folks. He loses his goods. He loses his family. Verse number 18, notice he lost his health. I remember my mama saying years ago, somebody asked her, you know, of all of the things in life, what is the one thing that you value above everything else? And she said, my health. 
As long as I've got my health, you know, I've got everything. I'm not saying she was right in that. I'm just saying that's what I heard her tell the neighbor. My health. Most of us, you know, we do value our health, right? We think something's wrong. We run down to the doctor, go to a pharmacist that we've never met, take a prescription we can't even read and hand it to him, get a bottle of pills that we have no idea what they are and gobble them down because we think it's going to help us. We're concerned about our health. Notice verse 18, and after all of this. Think about it. After all of this, all of his goods are gone. All of those costly imported items, all of those things that have been handed down through the family for years, all of the things that he treasured, they're all gone. And his kids are all dead. And his wives. Oh, you did notice that, right? I mean, if I read that right, it says in his wives, it didn't say his sons and their wives, but it says he lost his son and his wives. And now the Lord smote him in his bowels with an incurable disease. You know, there are many times that a doctor might tell you that what you have is incurable. There's nothing we... Nothing we can do to help you. You know, and sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. Thank God they're wrong sometimes. Amen, Brother Ron. Uh, They don't always get it right. But when God says it's an incurable disease, you can just cancel all of your doctor appointments, buddy, because there's not any hope. When God says that's the way it is, that's the way it's going to be. So now he has lost his health. And notice the emphasis there was on day by day. This is something that didn't just happen overnight, but it's something that got worse day after day after day, something that he's living with that's dragging him down. And finally, verse 19, he lost his life. And it came to pass that in the process of time, after the end of two years, his bowels fell out by reason of his sickness, so he died of sore diseases. All because of the fact that he had no concern for God, no compassion for others. He's lost all of his goods. He's lost all of his family. He's lost his health. Now he loses his life. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 17, Be not over much wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldst thou die before thy time? Why shouldst thou die before thy time? Listen, none of us knows how much time we have. I know that out there somewhere in my path and in your path, there is a line beyond which no man shall cross. That regardless of what I do, there is a a mark out there somewhere. It might be a few days ahead of me now, or it might, might be a few years. I don't know. And I know that if I'm living my life in the will of God, there's absolutely nothing that can touch me till I get to that point. Nothing. But I also know that any time before I get there, 
that I can so sin against God that I'll die before my time. If you put any value whatsoever on your life, you better think about the life that you're living. You better think about the manner in which you're living your life. Because it can cost you not only everything else, but it'll cost you your life also. But I want you to notice verse 19 and 20. It says in verse number 19, And it came to pass that in the process of time, after the end of two years, his bowels fell out by reason of the sickness, so he died of sore diseases. Now notice this, And his people made no burning for him like the burning of his fathers. And then verse 20 said that he departed without being desired. Normally, they would burn some kind of aromatic wood as they did for others. There would be a ceremony of some kind in which the life of the king would be honored. That, that was normal. No doubt he would be eulogized. No doubt there are those that would stand up and speak on his behalf. What a great man he was and all of the great accomplishments that he made while he was living. But in this case, there was no ceremony whatsoever because here's a man that lived to please nobody and nobody was pleased with him. You, you could say he was a man that nobody wanted. He was a man who died without being missed. Nobody cared. They buried him, but not in the fashion as they did the other kings. What a horrible thought it is to come down to the end of your life, having had all of the privileges and the blessings and the opportunities that he did, and then come down to the end of your life, which you lost because of sin. And for them to throw you in a hole in the ground and six foot of dirt in your face, and nobody even cares. No kind words are spoken. No tears are shed. Nobody cares. Let me tell you, if you live only to please yourself, you will die in disgrace. Jehoram cared about nobody, and nobody cared about him. A man nobody missed. Several years ago, I got a call from one of the uh, one of the funeral homes in the area, and said, "Brother Stone said, uh, uh, just wondering if you would would conduct a funeral service for us. We got a situation. We a man that died, and and." Uh, we don't have any any family or anything, and uh, we tried to contact some family that you know that. But long story short, we don't have anybody to do this funeral service. He said, "We we you know we can't pay you anything." Or I said, "That doesn't make any difference to me. Uh, I don't charge anything anyway." So I said, "Sure, I'll do it." Drove all the way across town, way over on the other side of town, got out there. And here I am with a funeral director and a dead body. That's all. Finally, two other people, the best I remembered, maybe distant relatives, but not anyone close, 
Finally, they showed up and they stood there and listened while I conducted the service, buried the, the body, and, uh, and then spoke about his demise and the fact that here's a man that had lived in such a way nobody cared. You'd be surprised how many people, even, even though the funeral is well attended, that nobody really cares because they didn't care about anybody. How sad it is to die in disgrace. Famous preacher Robert Murray McSheen said many years ago, just these simple words, and I, I put them in the flyleaf of my Bible and thought about it many, many times. He says, live so as to be missed. Think about that. Live your life in such a way that others will miss you. Kind of like the little girl that said of her classmate who died, said it was easier to be good when she was here. Wouldn't it be wonderful to know that whenever your life is is over and they bury you in the grave, that there will be those that will actually miss you because you had contributed something to their life. The great hero, General Douglas MacArthur, wrote, he said, I don't want to be remembered as a great general who led armies and liberated the people. He said, I want to be remembered as the Christian father who prayed and read the Bible with his children. Let me tell you, that's the kind of daddies we need today. It's the kind of mothers we need today. Not living for self, but rather living for the welfare of our children and putting their spiritual needs ahead of everything else. The man nobody wanted, the man nobody missed, dying in disgrace. You know, it's one thing to be dishonored by man. It's another thing to be damned by God. As bad as it is to die in disgrace, there's something a lot worse than that, and that is to die without the favor of the Lord. You see, there's nothing more horrible than that. Had he been a success in every other way, had he retained all of his goods, had all of his children remained healthy, wealthy, and wise, had everything gone his way when it comes down to the time to die, without knowing the Lord, it would all be in vain. Think about it, to be forever banned from God to be barred from heaven, to be banished to hell for all of eternity. You see, without Christ, you can never be the person that God wants you to be, and you can never receive the things God wants you to have. God wants to do so much more for you than what you can even imagine, but we... Like Israel of old, we too many times, we limit the Holy One of Israel. We put shackles on God and we limit what God wants to do for us because of our sin. What a horrible, terrible, depressing story that is. I think we all would agree with that, right? But it doesn't end there. 
You say, yeah, but he's dead and he's in the grave. He's gone. It's the story has to end. No, it doesn't end. Because when you begin reading in the next chapter, you'll notice that his youngest boy becomes the next king. And guess what he did? He did what daddy did. He lived a life of wickedness just like his father did. He made the same mistakes that his father had made. And since this is Father's Day, I want to remind you that your children are watching you. They're going to be influenced by you for good or for bad. Your life is going to have an impact on theirs. And we better stop and think about what we're doing to our children. I've heard people say, well, what I do is nobody's business but my own. That is so foolish to think that's true. Because everything you do, like the ripples on the pond when you throw a rock in it, everything you do has an effect on everybody else. We, we never really enjoy losing a loved one, but it's, uh, there's something wonderful about it whenever you look back and you think about friends that have died and gone on and that lived a life that honored the Lord, a life that was a blessing to others. And, and we can all think of some folks like that, can't we? Well, we can just start naming people. I think of dear preacher friends. I think of members of this church that have died and gone on. And uh, we look back and think about what a great record they had. There are names that will live on in this church throughout its history. Of men and women who contributed so much to this church and the work of the Lord. And let me tell you, you might think nobody cares, but I tell you, people do care, and they're watching, and they know, and you're going to be remembered for something. And I hope it's for the right thing. To be dishonored by others, to be a person nobody wants, a person that's not even missed, how horrible and terrible, but the most terrible thing is to think about standing one day before the Lord and hearing Him say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. To not be recognized by your fellow man, well, that's one thing. But for God to say, I never knew you, that's as bad as it gets. And as I said, you can never become the person God wants you to be. You can never receive the things God wants you to have until Jesus Christ becomes your Lord and Savior. Would you trust Him this morning? Let's all stand together. We have five